This show has been brought to you by Anarchy Wear. They are a great organization who sells clothing, banners like what's behind me, hats, all kinds of stuff. And they're absolutely amazing. Not only do they put out awesome content, they also make awesome things like this. And if you're a Spooner fan, you have this. Let me stand up. I didn't sign shit. Lysander Spooner. If you're a Spooner fan, you'll totally understand. If you're not a Spooner fan, get in my DMs and I'll let you know because he's one of the greatest to ever do it. This flag behind me, enemy of the state. Man, that's Murray Rothbard. The greatest to ever do it. I'm a Rothbardian. He is my favorite economist. Um, he is my favorite anarchist, libertarian, whatever you want to call him. Fantastic material that he's put out. Um, I highly recommend you read his books. But Anarchy Wear has everything from bold to cute and, and modest. You know what I mean? So, like, check them out at Anarchy Wear on X, a.k.a. Twitter. Um at anarchywear.ca on anything meta being Facebook and or Instagram. They're awesome. I love those guys. They're doing great things. And I highly recommend you follow them and get some goods from them, man. I love everything I have from these guys and they're amazing. And, and let me throw this in for you. If you use promo code buds in reality, buds letter N reality i know you know how to spell if you're watching this show you're pretty smart i know you are <laughs> anyways get at them get yourself some gear and if you use the promo code buds in reality you will get yourself 15 percent off who doesn't like a deal so get at them check them out they are great awesome people thank you for the sponsor and let's get on with the show welcome to the buds and reality show i'm sean collins the guy with a lot to say and this week, we got Derek Wills back in the house, man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you? Man, I, I'm great. I'm great to have you here, man. I'm a, I'm in a great mood because you are here, honestly. Oh, I'm excited to be here, man. This is, um, I, I love, first of all, I love you. I love the content that you put out. You know, you're just, you're an amazing human being. And uh, I love supporting the show. And I love being part of the show as well, man. It's it's great. No, and, and likewise to you, man, like, you know, it's to push out something that's like real, real liberty. Like, you know what I mean? Without being worried about, you know, the clapback you're going to get, because, you know, the things we put out, there's a lot of clapback, especially as of recent, but, you know, we just had a, a very big win as a, you know, ANCAP society with the Javier Mille election in Argentina. Wow. Um Yeah. And- in <laughs> in like you know and the, and they label him as a libertarian but really he is an anarcho capitalist you know that's his thing and you know immediately once I found out he won I was like I gotta get Derek back on the show it has to happen <laughs> like that was my first thought I'm like we gotta talk ANCAP now because ANCAP is trending which is amazing yeah. like holy shit who would have thought yeah no that is that is insane the fact that I mean we have a we have a golden opportunity here. Um, just to get the message out, out of the validity of anarcho-capitalism, uh, this is a perfect time because people are starting to open up their their minds a little bit. Um, you know, also seen them comparing Javier Malay to Donald Trump, which really saddens me. And, and it's like <laughs> you don't understand, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but you know, with the fact that he is he, a self-proclaimed anarcho-capitalist, it does resonate with people that uh, maybe there is something to this. We can take this opportunity to to spread that message, and I think that that is uh, that is something that we should strive to pound as much as humanly possible because it is a valid philosophy and and should be adopted and should be the the norm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really it's a really exciting time right now for sure I'm, I'm excited to see what what sorts of things he does yeah absolutely and i am too you know and there's and the naysayers are already out you know libertarian naysayers at that you know they're like oh you know pretty much that you're not a real libertarian thing and i'm like jesus fucking christ you guys knock this shit off but anyways you know it's it's kind of wild to see the clapback he's getting from his own you know kind per se from yeah. his own party and uh 
you know, we need to talk about this though, because, you know, you actually wrote a brilliant manifesto on anarcho-capitalism. I'm just going to come out and say it right now. Um, you know, Thank you. Your book right here. I have it here, right here with me, The Liberty Solution. You guys got to get this book. I'm telling you right now. You know, we, we talked about your book as soon as I finished it, you know, what, over the summer or the yeah. spring or something like that. And we talked about your book and, you know, that was one of my favorite shows that I've done this year, honestly, dude. Yeah, it was, it was one of my favorite shows. It was yeah, great, it, man. It, I had it, a great time. And it was great. And I even got, you know, a, a buddy of mine text me after that. And he's like, dude, that was just your moment or something like that. Or he's like, you're a real podcaster <laughs> now. Something like that. Something along those lines. I can't remember the, the exact text that I got. But he's like, you're there. You, you're there. And I was like, wow, thank you, man. Awesome humbled by that or whatever but you know you write this brilliant you know manifesto of anarcho-capitalism and I, it was pretty flawless actually you know i can't really pick it apart you know there's some things i didn't like in there but that's you know that's the thing though that's the thing about liberty is that there's things you're not going to like but liberty yeah. says you have to respect it even though you don't like it you know yeah if people understood that simple fact that liberty means people will act in a way that you don't like and okay uh the world continues to go on you know your life continues to be to to move forward it didn't affect you uh you know if they understood that then they wouldn't you know i think the world would be a very very different place but yeah. instead we we live in this society where the state has not only conditioned them to believe that if they vote to utilize the state's monopoly on violence to uh, to kind of coerce their neighbors into thinking like they do, then the world will be a better place. And the worst part is, is that the state never does that. You know, they 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 lie on the campaign trail. They get their their votes to win, and then they do whatever the fuck anyway. So. It's like this weird Stockholm syndrome type setup that the state has been able to create, and it's solely unique to statism. I don't, I don't see this under any other sort of hostage situation. But yeah, it's it's uh it's it really is crazy to think that that's really what statism is about. Well, it's all about using fascism to force the other side to, you know, conform to their ways. And they both do it. It's it's absolutely wild, you know, to be an outsider and witness it. You know what I mean? Like you're going, OK, you guys are both fascists and you're both idiots. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing here? And so, you know, you know, we have this unique opportunity now where we have an ANCAP you know, in a position of office or a libertarian, whatever you want to call them, dude, somebody who's for freedom and, and liberty. So. You know, that being said, you know, let's get started with anarchy because, you know, what people are told and what we were raised to believe anarchy to be chaos, you know, uh, you know, warmongering, craziness, burning down cities. You know, these are the anarchists that the TV will say, you know, while, you know, the, the, the rioters are burning down a city, this is anarchy. And I, you know, I'm like scratching my head going, anarchists are not doing this shit, dude. They're growing gardens. Yeah. Like, what are you yeah. doing to this, to this word? Kind of like the word liberal, you know what I mean? They've kind of screwed that over too. Yeah. It, it's all about hijacking the language to, you know, feed their propaganda machine. I mean, probably the biggest propaganda out there has to be what anarchism is and isn't. And, you know, like you said, they want to perpetuate this lie that anarchy is lawlessness, it's chaos, it's it's complete disorder. And uh, that is completely the opposite of what it is. It literally means uh, that you rule yourself. You don't have a king, you don't have a, uh, a government, Have you don't have any entity that proclaims ownership over you. And that's what a ruler does, you know. Uh, you know, I I like to equate it because it's easy for people to to digest. It's a master and slave relationship between the state and uh, the individual, you know, because the state has more over the life, the body, and the property of an individual than the individual has, you know. Uh, and a lot of people, particularly conservatives, which is weird. Uh, but conservatives will tell me 
uh, well, no, I'm voting for somebody and, uh, you know, I still have a say over my life. And it's like, no, no, you don't. You you don't because you may continue to – let's say you get your way. You wouldn't choose to act in those certain ways that are now illegal, but that's just you. But you can't – You if you decided to change your mind, you couldn't because the state would invoke violence against you. That is more – that is an entity having more of a say over your life than you do. And that is foundationally what is wrong with statism. And that is what statism is. It it creates this master-slave relationship between uh, the state and the individual. And there's no greater evil than slavery, you know. And right. I, I I think that I think that we can continue to push the message of liberty, and people might start waking up. And even if they are like, well, I mean, uh, there's still some necessities that the government provides. I'm cool with getting people to a minarchist mindset and then, you know, pushing them over the edge. Well, Ron Paul was speaking. good for that. Ron Paul made all the minarchists. Yeah. You know, he was great. Yeah. God bless that man for that, too, seriously. Because that kind oh, of know. got the ball rolling for a lot of people, for me personally, for sure. Yeah. You know, Ron Paul is was a fantastic uh, individual. I, I, I absolutely idolize Ron Paul for what he's done. And honestly, I, I kind of wish that he, he would have talked about anarchism as a as a viable solution. But uh, he probably would have gotten laughed out of Congress if he had done that. Uh, so you know, I, I appreciate <laughs> I mean, his they approach did as well. That to him, anyways. You know, they were you know, <laughs> talk about somebody who's in office that you know always had people looking at him like, what the fuck? It was Ron Paul, man. Like oh, even his own I, people, because he was technically a Republican, and the Republicans were like, "Hey, man, like, you can't be saying that shit." You know what I mean? Probably one of my favorite Ron clips is when he's on some talk show, and somebody's asking him about heroin. He's like, it's, "We shouldn't have a war on drugs, and it shouldn't be illegal. If it were legalized tomorrow, would you do heroin?" And everybody starts booing him. You know, <laughs> is indicative of the cult mindset that we've established with this worship of the state like oh wow you you want seven-year-olds to shoot up heroin no no that's not what i'm saying <laughs> you know you're twisting what i'm saying around <laughs> but you know you know there's so we, we get to the term anarchy and you, you know the real term of anarchy is really no no rulers not no no rules it's it's no rulers it literally means no rulers so you know, then you take the word capitalism because, you know, there's anarcho-capitalism. Now, you know, the political spectrum is crazy because there's actually an anarcho-communism, which totally boggles my mind, by the way. And it's even retarded to talk about because it's so redundant, you know, like it, it's jumbo shrimp, dude. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> anarcho-communism, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, an anarcho-capitalism does, you know, and, and capitalism in its truest form is probably one of the most amazing things in the entire world because it's a true free market yeah, yeah of it, exchange without any interference from government or bureaucracy yeah it, it really is i mean the thing is the the phrase free market has kind of lost its meaning a yes. lot of it I, I i chalk up to um chalk up to the you know, the bastardization of language, especially from communists who hate capitalism. But I mean, free market, you can't get any more, you know, dumbed down than that. The market is free to act. And if you inject the state into the market, it is no longer free. I mean, it is, I mean, it's basic, basic language. Um, and the, the, the thing is, all capitalism is people think that oh it, it's it's just it's a system designed to keep the rich richer and keep the poor poorer you know it's exploitative and when all it is it's like you don't realize what capital is capital is not just money capital is not just product capital is any property that you can utilize to get some sort of return on investment Oh well, there's a there's a fancy phrase that I don't quite understand, so I'm gonna be scared. No, a return on investment is simply 
you coming out on top for something that you invested. That could be, I'm going to go to work for this individual, X dollars an hour, and I'm going to, you know, for him, he's going to pay me money. And I agree to that. That's a return on investment. You're investing your labor and you are getting a wage in return. That's an ROI. Right. There are other ROIs that exist, certainly. Uh, but that is a very basic ROI. You are using your capital in a voluntary exchange in order to get something that you want. You value that money or that wage more than you value the labor that you are providing. That's an ROI. That's capitalism. Right. It's just a free and voluntary exchange of your private property, whether that be goods, real estate, uh, product, services, or your own labor. That's all that it is. It is nothing more than that. To say that it is is, is dishonest or, uh, or misunderstood at, at, at the best is that people misunderstood what it means, and they need to kind of be, you know, uh, they need to get brought back on course as to what it means and, and all of the superfluous details that they've been propagandized to believe need to be dismissed. But that's really all that it is. Simple, free, voluntary exchange of private property. Nothing more, nothing less. I, exactly. And, and, the, and the people who blame capitalism on like wages and stuff when people were really like, you know, the wages, the wages, the wages. And I'm like, wait a minute, you guys. You know, when you agree to a job you have consented to that pay. Once you agree to that job, you have then consented to that to that pay scale, right? Now, the government comes in and takes half your money, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to complain about the wage that you consented on, but really, who's your oppressor at that point? <laughs> yeah, it's probably the entity that's legitimately stealing the fruits of your labor, uh, you know, before you even get paid or even after you get paid. It doesn't really matter. But they have I been mean, believing that that's capitalism's fault. They're saying the capitalists are taking advantage of you. I mean, they they spoon feed this shit to these people and they're they're eating it up. And it's like, dudes, it doesn't have to be like this. You know what I'm saying? It's so wild. No, no kidding. So, uh, you know, I, I sent out this tweet. Um back in October, but I love it because it highlights just how much uh, people are getting stolen from. And, you know, it basically says uh, median income uh, federal theft from 2022 for married and, and breaks down gross uh, plus the, you know, I minus the standard deduction, uh, how much of your income is extortable and how much is actually stolen in the various amounts. Somebody who make $74,000, $75,000 has over $12,000 taken from them. First of all, I mean, that is, that is, that is insane. $12,000 is a lot of money to a lot of people. Yes. And my, my thought is like, imagine getting a $12,000 rage or raise instantly because the state stopped stealing it. That would change so many people's lives. That's a big deal, man. 12 G's is a big deal. Anything yeah. is a big deal, man. Like for what they take from us is, you know, it's belittling. It's slavery. It, you know, taxation, slavery. And people, I got a lot of clapback for saying that, but it really is. Yeah. And it, the people will be like, it's not the same as chattel slavery. And I'm like, well, try not paying your taxes and let me know how that goes for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hence why we're just free range peasants instead of outright <laughs> slaves. Uh, but I mean, in addition to that, let's let's lower the cost of goods by about 10% by no longer having a sales tax at the end of it. Boom. So, not only have you gotten a $12,000 raise, the cost of goods has gone down by 10%. Now, let's uh, you know, let, let's reduce your mortgage by. I don't know, two, 300 bucks a month because we're no longer taxing your property. These are just the big three. This is just income, sales, and property tax. And already your life has changed for the better. Uh, and if you go from out from there and you remove all of the taxes that and, and unnecessary costs associated with business that artificially inflates the price of products anyway – those pr product prices are going to dip down significantly. Your dollar is going to all of a sudden have more power behind it. You're going to be able to buy more uh, with less. 
and you're netting more. You remove the the uh, costs associated with hiring somebody, which most people don't even think about. You know, the cost to hire somebody, if you hire somebody for $30 an hour, you're not paying $30 an hour for them. You're paying closer to $50 to $60 an hour to employ them. If you remove that, guess what? Now wages might start to go up too, which means that this this whole system, it, it just it is an it is a system designed to keep you enslaved. It is a yeah. system designed to keep you poor. You will never get out. I mean, oh, people bitch and moan about Social Security. It's like, dude, if you kept what was taken out of Social Security and invested it yourself, you could retire on your own at an earlier age. Way earlier age. <laughs> I mean, just it, the system is designed to keep you where you are. They don't want you to succeed, and uh, it's it's quite humorous when they're like, oh, we're going to tax the rich. No, they're not. They're going to keep taxing you, the yep. peasant, because you are where the money is at, believe it or not. It is much easier to extort $5 from 300 million people than it is to extort a million dollars from four people. Right. And, uh, you know, that that's how they're going to do it. And that's how they've always done it. That's how they're going to continue to do it. And that's why taxation is evil. It is theft. It is extortion. It is slavery and uh, should be absolutely 100 percent abolished. But what about my roads, Derek? What about my roads? How are we going to pay for the roads? Yes, yes. The free market. Uh, you <laughs> know, the talk free about it. Could we we have to like <laughs> we have to explain how these things would work, you know, so. Yeah. People can so, understand it, and I make fun of it, but because that's always, you know, a status first line. Oh, well, what about the roads? And like, the roads are gonna get taken care of, dude. And just like <laughs> anything else gets taken care of, you know. But you know, how would we take care of things, you know, as an ANCAP society? So I, I always start off by answering this question by saying this: the free market has produced some of the most uh, amazing technological advances on the planet. The computer that we are talking on right now is a product of a free market or free-ish market. Uh, it is an amazingly complex machine. Are you suggesting that only a centralized monopoly on violence can figure out something as difficult as a flat, asphalted, concrete area for you to drive a car? I mean, it it is not that complicated. It is not that complex. Of, a, of technology. It has been around since ancient times, and I'm sure that the free market could figure out basic roads. If they could figure out how to build computers and, you know, they could figure out how to build rockets and airplanes, I'm sure they could figure out how to build a road. But let's just get into a way that roads could be maintained by the free market and this is a beautiful thing i'm going to caveat this this is not the only way it's just a way that i happen to think of me some little old you know fucking peasant from texas i just thought of it <laughs> which means that the brilliant business minds of the world could probably come up with a far better solution than i so the road that connects to your street this is where a lot of people get upset. They're thinking that people are going to put toll booths outside of your driveway. And unless you pay them the toll, they will not raise the gate and you will be a, you know, locked away in your house. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. First of all, the manpower it would take uh, to staff all those, not going to happen. And if they did like easy tags, yeah, I have a feeling that everyone who lived on those streets would... Um, probably destroy all of them right it wouldn't be it would not be a good venture a good business venture so um some of the things that they would do uh might have something similar to do with like an hoa minus the fact that they would no longer have authority over your house but they would say hey uh here is our monthly dues for upkeeping this neighborhood uh keeping the parks keeping the streets blah 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 and you pay that anyway okay simple enough now the highways Toll tax. Toll tax. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's not going to be a $12, $18 toll like you see today because every place is a toll tag. 
So now you have this massive supply. Uh, and so if you ever paid attention to basic economics, whenever a supply increases and demand stays the same, you have to lower the cost to maintain equilibrium. That's how supply and demand works. Isn't that something? So, yeah, no kidding. So <laughs> I would venture to say that the cost associated with you driving around on a daily basis would cost you less than the gas tax at the pump that you pay to currently pay for the roads. And that's just one way they could do I mean they could come up with they could come up with technology that um I, I can't even think of in order to fund roads in a way that the free market appreciates and, and supports. This is just me like I said just just me talking using existing right. technology. See, I think you could use businesses like Walmart and and bigger entities like that, Amazon and stuff like that. You know, hey, you want your your business here? You're going to be responsible for this stretch of road to keep your business here. And I think a lot of those businesses would be happy to pay that over the taxes that would be taken from them. You know, being a large business like that, they'd be like, shit, man, I'll take it. I'll take care of the roads for a couple million bucks a year. Or it, yeah. it, even that, it might even only be a couple hundred thousand. You know what I mean for that little area. They'd be happy to do that when, because businesses like that, you know, the, you know, a lot of people don't think that these businesses don't pay taxes, but they do, they do pay taxes. Mm -hmm. And I think they'd be much happier just, you know, helping out with a little bit of roads over the taxation that they're paying right now. I promise you that. Yeah. Amazon might say, Hey, to drive on this stretch of I-10 uh, that we own, you can either pay us a monthly membership of, you know, 25 30 cents a dollar you know, a dollar a month whatever or it's free and included in your membership you know like it, it it can all be done it doesn't have to be hard you know but people are so hard hardwired you know that we need this 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 government force to to tell us what to do and how to live our lives and 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 whatever and it's so it's it's very crazy to me that you know there's there's not a lot of leaders anymore yeah like it's all everybody's a follower now there's no leaders really you know what's really crazy is everybody talks about the roads and infrastructure and things like that and they really have no idea how just how little of our extorted tax dollars actually goes to that right um I, you know I, uh I'm, this is gonna sound weird so please don't judge me uh but i went back and and recently re-listened to my own audiobook um uh, just because i wanted to see what i thought of you know my book 2 years later uh and you know I, I was listening to the last chapter talking about um you know the, the reimagined 2016 if it were an ancap society um and in there i talk about how much of the total tax dollars were spent on just infrastructure police fire um, roads, bridges, airports, things like that, the very basic necessities. And I want to say something along the lines of, it, it, it's in the book, you can find it, but uh, something along the lines of like of the over $6 trillion of tax revenue in 2016, only about $1 trillion of it was spent on all of those basic necessities. This show is sponsored by Infinite Zeal Syndicate. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Infinite Zeal. He is a great liberty-minded fella that just wants to share the message of liberty and also has fantastic merch like this hat I'm wearing right now. You see me wear it on every show. Um, he's a great gentleman, and I uh, highly suggest you give him a follow because he's one of the good ones, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's get on with the show. What? Where's the other $5 trillion going? Why? What? Why is that there? Uh, it, like it, it was. It's just. It's an insane amount. And if you got rid of all of that, imagine. Just imagine how much better your life would be. Uh, it. It really. It, the thing is, like, if you abolish the government, it would be better for every single person. Every yes. person would have a better life. <laughs> yes. And people think that you know that, you know, once we got rid of government that, you know, people who couldn't take care of themselves wouldn't, you know, be able to take care of themselves anymore, which is completely untrue. And you, you actually talked about it in your book where, you know, we've been taxed higher than we've ever been taxed ever in the history of being America and Americans. And people have given more to charities more than they ever have. Yeah. 
in the history of giving to charity. So imagine if people didn't have to pay taxes, how much more money could go into those charities as well to help people who need those types of, you know, help. Yeah. And not to mention those charities, and, and this is something I have to mention, but those charities have to go to a lot of status scrutiny to even exist. A lot of financial reporting and, and things like that to, to keep their tax exempt status, their, you know, the 501c3 or whatever uh, status. And it's a pain in the ass for them. And if you got rid of the necessity for that, you know, they could, that frees up a lot of resources for them to put back into the charity to make the, make it that, that much better. And, uh, you know, people would be able to, uh, well, they would have a fiduciary duty. Well, they do have a fiduciary duty to helping those, uh, who are less fortunate, but they would have more resources to help them do that. And, uh, that's, us, that's assuming people don't donate more, which they would uh, uh, just by default. I mean, people are charitable, uh, but whenever you have the government saying, oh, we'll take care of that on your behalf, um, they, they, they kind of are like, oh, well, I guess I don't have to anymore. And yet they still do. But if they if, they, if that safety net was no longer there, man, uh, it would be it would be much better for everyone for the people that are going through hard times it would be better for people who are going through great times it would be better for millionaires billionaires and the lower class middle class it would be better for every single individual a middle class would be able to come back in an anarchist and or libertarian society honestly like there's no middle class anymore you're either rich or you're poor at this yeah. point, you know and i'm definitely not on the rich side of things so i get how this is going you know what i mean but you know i i firmly believe that you know all these entities that people are so worried about, police, fire, you know, schools, whatever, can all be taken care of through business, charity, and state lotteries. You know, people don't realize how much money goes through the state lotteries. We're talking, mm -hmm. if they're able to give out a billion dollars a win, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? That's some serious fucking cash that goes through those state lotteries. That could take care of schools, police department, you know, fire, you know, all those things. It could totally take care of those things. Uh, yeah, and honestly, that wasn't even something I even considered. Look at you. I mean, yeah, this is this is great. More great ideas of how you could fund necessities, in with you know with without the government, and without a, a a monopoly on violence, which has only proven itself to be tyrannical and um, evil and unnecessary. That's the that's the other aspect. Unnecessary. I actually have a good story of a, about a client of mine that I worked for over the summer. Um, he lives kind of on like a private road or whatever, and they wanted to get it paved. And the the the, the city was like, okay, it's going to be, I can't remember what he said anymore. It's going to be like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it was going to take like months for them to do this little stretch of road. I think there's only six or eight houses on this little stretch of road, right? They came together and said, hey, Let's do this on our own then. Let's see how much it's going to cost. They call this company and they say, how much is it going to cost to pave this stretch of our roads? $78,000. The homeowners all came together and figured it out. You know, and there was a couple of homeowners that that couldn't, you know, come up with the, the amount they needed to come up with their, their share, but the other homeowners threw in for them voluntarily. Mm. It is amazing. Now, mind you, they were told hundreds of thousands of dollars in months of work. They got it done for like $78,000, I want to say, and it happened in a couple of weeks. Voluntarily. Wow. Voluntarily. They did it on their own with no state, no state whatsoever. If anybody out there is listening and saying anarchy has never been tried and has never been successful, that right there is anarchy in practice. Yes. Yes. I was like, are you people anarchists? He's like, what? <laughs> it was so funny. And actually I got him to listen to one of my shows. Oh, know, cool. Got him to talking or whatever. He listened to my show with uh, Noah Olin. That happened to be the one that got taken off of YouTube. They took it down. I, oh, YouTube wow. Got me. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube got me once finally, you know, Ugh, uh, but yeah, that's... man, these things, these things can happen. And, and, and people are genuinely good. For, you know, yes, there's bad, there's bad people. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, 99% of the people in the world are, are just going about their day and minding their business. This is a fact, dude. And yeah. it's even more than 99% of the people, 
you know, this crazy shit they show on TV, and I say this constantly on this show, they don't give a shit about me or Derek or anybody who just goes to work and goes home and, and lives their life, dude. That's not news. They want to talk about the guy, you know, who grabbed his firearm and shot up the school or the mall or, you know, some brutal attack or, you know, rape and murder and, you know, everything that you see on TV. That doesn't even constitute for 1% of the population, but they got people so shook. You know, and it's always, well, we need more government to fix this. Yeah. We and always need more government. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some, something. Uh, so somebody had said something and I, I can't find the exact tweet, but I, I'm totally, I'm, I'm going to search for it and I'm going to turn it into a meme because it is amazing. And it's, it was something along the lines of, if people are inherently good, then government is not needed. And if, if people are inherently bad, then government is not possible or government cannot exist, something like that. Because it, it just highlights the fallacy or the fallacious argument that, uh, you know, if you need government to control people, well, the government is made up of people and they aren't, they, they don't transcend in some, into some, morally superior form of hyper intellectual being that is morally uncorruptible they're just people and in fact as soon as they get to office they become highly corrupted um if they haven't been corrupted already uh but it, it i i loved what he said um because of the fact that it it was it was so plainly put <clears throat> if people are inherently evil then government's not necessary and if people are inherently evil, then government is not possible. Something like that. It it, it was it blew me away. I loved it. That sounds amazing. You know, it, it's great. You know, but the, the the fact of the matter is, is like, you know, with the world the way it is, with the central banks the way they are, you know, there's only anarchist and and libertarian type of people who are ready to burn down the the central banks. We will burn yeah. it to the ground. It will be done. It might even get really burned to the ground when the time came. You know what I mean? Because that's how much we loathe it. But, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, I'm sure I'll have the feds at my door after that, whatever. <laughs> but uh, good morning, NSA. Anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, once we get rid of this shit, you know, talk about peace. Dude, 99% of the wars are over. This is what uh, caps are going to do. This is what libertarians are going to do when... 99% of wars, you can't say 100% of wars because there's always going to be, you know, turf wars and factions going at it. But we're not talking, those won't be major scale wars. And those, no, it, yeah, the thing is, like, and, and this is another thing about statism that is unique to statism is these, is war. I mean, it is, it is so ungodly evil and, and just so just awful. I, I, I can't. I, I don't know how to properly say how I feel about war, but if you abolish the state, those wouldn't exist on that scale ever. The worst that you would see is like some armed skirmish, you know, it, that's isolated between property owners. Uh, and, and you're certainly not going to see hundreds of thousands of people going to murder each other or some stranger's property. Uh, it, 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 it would be very small scale and over in a matter of days, maybe, um, I mean, that right there, that is how you world peace is to abolish the government. Right. Right. And, you know, there was, you know, Rothbard talked about it in a, for new, uh, for a new Liberty, um, about 17th century Ireland. I always, I love using this, uh, uh, concept because he, he he went into detail about it where you know Ireland was a stateless society for about a thousand years and there was still police and there was still you know uh, a, a jury per se you know they were the Tuathas the Tuathas were the police mm -hmm. okay? and and they knew the laws of the land and they policed themselves and then the the Breons or the Brihans or I, you know I don't know if I'm saying it right but they were kind of the jury who knew the laws of the land as well and they did this all within themselves, within the community. And it worked for a thousand years. It wasn't like people were just getting away with whatever. People were getting in trouble if they fucked up, you know. But it was 
it was them policing themselves. And I know that, you know, that was a different time or whatever, but I think it was a lot harder to live back then than it is now. Absolutely. And they made that work. In this digital age, things less would be exponentially easier today than they would have been, you know, back whenever that happened. And it ha- it worked for a thousand years. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I need to go back and reread For a New Liberty because I, I, I remember Rothbard talking about this. Um, but I also remember thinking that there was some aspect about it that I didn't think quite fit anarchism. And I think it was the Tuatha, but I could be wrong. Uh, but either either way, it was a far better uh, example of society than we have today. There were, you know, there was no official constitution. There was no official legislative or executive branch. Uh, there was only people living their lives, and it really was a, you know, a, a far better time. Um, and, and God, I, I just can't speak uh, any more. <laughs> any, I, I can't. What am I saying, man? English is fucking hard. <laughs> uh, I I can't say anything good about the state because there are no good aspects about the state. The state does nothing positive. It is not a positive in anybody's life. It is a net negative. And uh, as the philosophy goes, you should remove all negativities that do not serve you from your life. Amen. You know, and yeah. the funny thing is about, you know, another thing about people are status when you bring up anarchy. And I just had this thread on Twitter and, you know, I said something about, you know, anarchy, you know, embrace love and whatever. And this dude comes on there and he's like, there would be all these warlords would take over and anarchy and stuff. And I said, laugh my ass off. Are you fucking kidding me right now? And he's like, no, I'm serious or something like that. You know, something along those lines. I'm like. I think you need to like just turn on your local news station for a little bit and just watch TV, you know, and and t- and rethink what you just said because you're even going to see it on mainstream media that uh, the United States government is literally blowing people up all over the world at this point, all over the yeah. world. So and and so if you want to talk about warlords, you're actually voting for him, homie. And he, <laughs> he blocked me after that. I was like, you're voting for the warlords, and boom, block. I was like, dude. Truth hurts, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. But- um, war is a unique feature of the state. And uh, it's funny that everybody who dissents against, you know, anarchy, the idea of anarchy, they always cite things as if this doesn't already do that. Oh, well, if we do that, it'll just mean might makes right. You mean like the government? If we do that, all the warlords will take over. You mean like the government? I mean, literally every every rebuttal they have, like, dude, that's the government. Yes. Your objection to anarchism is that the government will form. Then your objection should be to the government. <laughs> it, it, some things just I, – I have to laugh at some things because what makes sense to us doesn't make sense to a lot of people. And, you know – it's one of those things right now where, you know, right now there's a big rift in the Libertarian Party and there, there's a lot of fighting or whatever everywhere. It's all over the place, um, especially yeah. in my state party. I just did a show about it recently. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is a lot of it comes down to the anarchist libertarians to the actual true libertarians, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of them will be like, well... You know, libertarians are still statists and blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, well, you know, libertarians are actually the closest to anarchy that we're ever going to get. So, you know, I embrace these people. And, you know, Larry Sharp had said something, though, on my show when he came on a while back that really stuck out to me. And he said, you know, that the hardcore anarchists and the hardcore ANCAPs, uh, you know, they're needed in, in the Libertarian Party because they're the ones who are going to keep them from going, you know, Republican light or Democrat light. Oh, wow. Larry Sharp. That is profound and true. You know, and so, but at that point, he's like, you know, you guys just need to be a little bit nicer and be teachers instead of yellers or (laughs) scolders or something like that. You know, you can't just be telling people to go fuck themselves and shit like that, even though, like, sometimes you just, it feels good to do that, you know, and I don't, but I've tried really hard to not do that lately. I've, 
I've done that, you know, I've, I've done my due diligence, but sometimes I do, you know, tell somebody to go fuck themselves. Yeah. And you know, if, if I was given the choice of the status quo or to wave a magic wand and have a menarchist state, I would choose the latter in a nanosecond. Yes. I would then the following nanosecond advocate to abolish it, but I would definitely choose it over what we have now without hesitation. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's a, it's weird to watch the the party implode at this point because of differences and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I feel like us, us ANCAPs and, and anarchists, you know, because there is a difference, you know, a little there's what is the subtle difference between anarchy and, and anarcho-capitalism? Because there is a subtle difference between the two. And I want to hear it from the man himself. B- between what? An- anarcho-capitalism? Actual, and what? actual anarchy and anarcho-capitalism. Because I really don't think different. that there is. I, I don't feel that there is. I think that there really uh, my view on the topic is that there is only one form of anarchism um now we have all these different sects uh of anarchy that you know anarcho-mutualism anarcho-communism anarcho uh individualism anarcho-syndicism uh you know agorism i really think that unless it is anarcho-capitalism and and capitalism as i defined it earlier uh that is the only true form of anarchism that can exist now i'm not going to tell somebody who you know wants to start an anarcho communist commune uh that they're not allowed to do yeah, that sorry you know, it, you're going mental i can't even hear him man thank god i'm sorry i'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> you but it's like oh my god my fucking dogs right now <laughs> uh, it's, it's all it's all good uh but, you know if, if you know, 50, 100 people in an ANCAP society want to start their own anarcho-communist commune, by all means, go for it, man. I mean, if it works out, great. Or to you. If it doesn't, you you can come off and we can in, engage in consensual commerce as much as, as, much as your heart's content. Um, but the, honestly, I don't find the subtleties between the different types of anarchism to be really valid. For lack of a better word, and I'm not trying to attack my fellow anarchists, I I really do believe in uh, anarcho-unity between the different philosophies of anarchism. I just don't see the differences, um, unless it's like anarcho-communism, which is, you know, blatantly different. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but when talking to other anarchists who are like, no, I'm not an ANCAP, but I'm this— and everything they say, I agree with. It's like we're the same, right? You know, I don't, I don't see the differences here. And uh, you know, quite frankly, that's okay. Label yourself however you want to label yourself. Label your philosophy however you want to label it. I will do the same. And you know, if if you start railing against my philosophy, then we'll engage in conversation. And if you have a misunderstanding about how I promote anarcho-capitalism, I'll address it. And if you agree, great. If you don't agree, okay, that's fine. We could still be friends. I'm I'm not going to uh, you know, advocate to have the state come murder you because you disagree with me. Right. Um, you know, but honestly, to answer your question, I don't see a real difference in anarchy generally and anarcho capitalism. What what are the differences that you see? The only subtle difference that I see, and this comes from like a very, 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 very hardcore anarchist side, is that some, I won't say a lot because I don't know if it's a lot, but I know that some super hardcore anarchists don't believe in money. They don't, they believe there shouldn't be any money at all and that everything should be, you know, done through trade and barter and stuff like that. Well, I mean, money is just a mutually agreed upon medium of exchange. Yes, exactly. So, I don't believe that there should be a centralized money. No, absolutely. Not. You know, I think I think money should be private. Uh, you know, like the cryptocurrency industry has become, uh, or precious metals. You know, I mean, hell, you got countless private mints that mint bullion all every day. Um, you know. That's privatization of money. I'm not going to advocate for any centralized money. Uh, 
And even then, it's like, do you want to abolish money itself or do you want to abolish a centralized, controlled money? Because I'll agree with you on the latter. Right. I don't know how society would function without some standardized, mutually agreed upon medium of exchange. I mean, you could, and example I use in the book is, you know, if you have uh, 20 years of corn you're trying to sell and somebody can only offer you five chickens, uh, is that a, a good trade? Well, it depends on your perception. It depends on their perception. It depends on, well, how old are these chickens? What are their, their health records like? Um, do I need chickens? No. Oh, well, sorry, dude. I'll keep my corn then. And, you know, whereas if he had a, a, some sort of standardized current, you know, money that we all, Hey man, I'll, I'll give you, um, I'll give you, you know, half an ETH for a couple of years of corn. Cool. Done. Right. Well, half, half an ETH for 20 years of corn would be very, very, very expensive, but you know what I mean? You know, right. No, I totally uh, get it. Point oh four. I don't think there should be uh, a forced one form of money, a centralized currency like right. we have now. I think that's insane. I think that there should be multiple forms of currency. I think money should be free through the people, through a free society, for, through a free market. Nothing yeah. should be forced on them. If I wanted to take your book and use it as a form of currency to get myself something, I should be able to do that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Or as long as it's mutually agreed upon. Yes, as long yeah. as it's mutually agreed on. You know what I mean? Like, we shouldn't be forced to use a, a currency that is uh, constantly debased on a, on a daily <laughs> basis, which makes our lives much more expensive. But that's what we're forced to use. Yeah, and I would a thousand percent agree with, with that as well. And even from the ANCAP perspective, there would be if somebody wants to trade, you know, good for good instead of good for money, they are free to do that. As long as all parties involved agree, that's yeah. the, and that's what it is. You know, uh, to me, anarcho-capitalism is voluntarism, is anarchism generally. That's really all that it is. And honestly, I wish that uh, I wish that it would just be called anarchism, because I know the stigma that's around the capitalism because it's you know that word has been bastardized a lot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but you know, at the same time, it's like. You know, there are so many different offshoots with some semantical differences in how it should theoretically work. Uh, I'm going to stick with this for as long as is necessary. I do like the term voluntarism a lot. Um, I don't see any difference between voluntarism and anarcho-capitalism at all. Zero. I don't either, really. The, the, the labels will be, you know, I almost feel like all these labels will be the demise of, you know, the whole thing. The same thing within the Libertarian Party, because there's you know, 19 different caucuses and they all want to do their own thing. And it's like, how are you supposed to unite if we're going to have all these different labels on ourselves? It's kind of like, you know, racism is never going to go away if we keep labeling ourselves. True. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of the same concept. You know what I mean? You're right. Um, so totally, you know, say it like that, but in a way it's kind of the same concept. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right. I, I can't take any issue with what you just said. And I kind of wish that we would do away with some of these labels, um, but it's what we got at the moment. I don't know how to abolish it myself. So <laughs> I just want to abolish everything. That's the thing. But capitalism is a beautiful thing. Capitalism is the reason why I have this infinite zeal hat. Capitalism is the reason why I have this fuck the state flag. Capitalism <laughs> is the reason why, you know, I have this. Hang on. Hang on. This is one of my favorite. Uh, my mom actually got me this. It's spoons and forks. And I love that flipping you off or whatever. You know what I mean? This capitalism gives you things like this. You are able yeah. to do things like this. And you know, I, I think this is a, 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 a good area. I know that we're kind of going a little long, but I want to, I want to mention something that doesn't really get talked about a lot. And that is the idea of intellectual property. Now you brought up the flag that's behind you and behind me. Now I designed this as a meme, right? But our good friends at Anarchy Wear decided to turn it into shirts and uh, flags, and now they have patches, and I think he's working on a couple other things. Yeah. If if intellectual property were a thing, uh, I would 
I would utilize the state's monopoly to go after him for stealing my idea. That is, it's not valid. Intellectual property is the idea that you can monopolize uh, and use force for ideas. It means that if you take a meme and repost it without giving credit to the original creator of said meme, that the state can invoke violence against you. That's not right. It is to say that the chocolate chip cookie can never be remade without paying royalties to the first person to ever invent the chocolate chip cookie for inventing the chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> Intellectual property is not a valid form of property and never has been and never will be. It is a statist idea designed to curb innovation and uh, it monopolizes ideas as being solely owned by an individual. I cannot claim ownership over that flag or the design of that flag because I just created it for a meme. And somebody was like, you know what? This is great. I'm going to start making product out of it. Good for them. I wish I had thought of that. I don't right. have any right to to claim ownership over it. You know, and and I'm very humbled that that Ben over at Anarchy Wear even gave me credit for the design. He didn't have to do that. I didn't ask for that and he did it on his own and that's great. But even still, he would've been perfectly within his rights to do that. It's yeah. good stuff that 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 I, I, imagine if you will a society where intellectual property doesn't exist and we reverse engineer a Tesla and we create a better Tesla than Tesla did. Are you to su suggest that you creating a better Tesla is now somehow infringing upon the rights of Elon Musk because he and his team could not create the best Tesla that ever could be? No, you took the idea you expounded upon it. You made it better. That is called innovating. And all intellectual property does is curb innovation. It curbs ideas because it means that the one sole entity who has, quote unquote, intellectual property right over that is the monopolistic owner over that idea. And if you dare to come up with something that exceeds that idea or makes that idea excel any better than they can, then you are somehow in the wrong. If anything, you are in the right because you have made something way better than the market wants. Anyway, that's all oh, I wanted to say. <laughs> no, actually, you know, it's funny that you say that because I actually use that analogy with music. You know, like, you know, you listen to a Metallica song or something and be like, wow, that sounds a lot like a Black Sabbath song. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same concept. Like they have their influences, they take it, and then they do something with it and maybe make it better or make it their own. You know what I yeah. mean? But it's, they probably got the idea from that. You know, I use oh, that yeah. like a God, a Metallica's fade to black, you mm -hmm. know, are you familiar with that song. Absolutely. That's a, that's got black Sabbath written all over it, dude. Seriously. Yeah. That, that sounds like a black Sabbath song to a T, you know, and I'm sure they got the idea from black Sabbath to do that song from one of their songs. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. And and all it is is innovation. And then, you know, Metallica be dumb and say, hey, you can't download our songs off Napster. <laughs> uh, because that's our intellectual property. No, it's not. That doesn't exist, Lars. Sit down. Oh, You're fine. You're worth, th you're worth $300 million. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Dude, that Napster thing was so wild to me. And that was like the end of I mean, I shouldn't say that was the end of Metallica, really, because they still sell out every single show that they play. But like, that was like the end of hardcore Metallica. I'm gonna say is like, man, like James and Lars are kind of a couple bitches, dude. <laughs> like, and then they came out with that DVD and stuff. And I'm like, oh my god, you guys just. Oh yeah, that was, that was that was awful. There was no excuse for Saint Anger. Uh, that should have just <laughs> been buried uh, and never saw the light of day. <laughs> It, it's crazy i don't i don't like dog and metallica just because they're you know their early stuff is some of my absolute favorite music of all time oh yeah but like Absolute. anything after the black album really like i just don't want anything to do with it i still very regularly watch the uh the 
uh live shit binge and purge concerts oh my god such a great show dude dude both the seattle 89 and the san diego 91 shows are just flawless i i watch those probably once a year oh that's awesome dude yeah that's so awesome. uh i mean that was my childhood growing up man like uh i remember i remember uh uh my brother my older brother's best friend had got the box vhs set and this was like in 93 when or 92 whenever it first dropped whenever it was and you had all these cassette tapes of all this behind the scenes type shit and then you had the two concerts i remember watching those just constantly and it was (laughs) so cool man like um and you know my whenever metallica was touring uh this recent tour my wife was like you should go see them i'm like i don't need to I've seen live shit Benjamin Purge. Right. Nothing's gonna top that. You know? That's like they're at their peak too. Like they were pretty much at their peak then. They don't sound like that no more. No, no. I mean, not to mention, I mean, they've always been kind of uh great with their pyrotechnic shows, like even their um uh uh cunning stunts uh DVD that they released yes. in the mid nineties. Like they they've always been doing this crazy pyro shit, but honestly, nothing will top the end of Injustice for All during Seattle 1989. Whenever you got the rack of lights just falling yeah. and swinging, and Kirk saying, "That's not fucking safe." <laughs> You're making me want to smash things right now. Like I just yeah. want to rage out right now because that shit was like that used to get me pumped watching that shit back in the day. I'd rage out, start breaking shit, you know, and you know, I was a pretty rowdy kid, man. So like, I don't know how we derailed into a Metallica show, but, uh, um, sometimes anyway, well, off the politic thing. It really is. It's kind of, Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. But, uh, my dude, Derek, you know, thanks so much for your time. I don't want to keep you so much more. I know you got to get to work and stuff like that, but, uh, I'm glad we had this conversation and needed to be had, you know, I, you know, I'm glad you were able to do this and stuff like that. And you keep kicking ass. You know, I can't wait to get your uh, your book. Your other book will be coming out soon. And I'm so sorry I haven't read your transcript yet. Life is so busy right now. No, it's fine. Dude. I still got a lot of work to do on it. I'm only 12 chapters in. Uh, but uh, and spoiler everybody out there. I am working on a second book. Uh, this one is a work of fiction. And I don't think I've ever released any details on it. but. Um, I, I will release a few details now. It nice. is a a fictitious book. It is about a town in New Hampshire, Auburn, New Hampshire, which is a real place. You can go there. Uh, but uh, that town decides to declare itself an independent anarcho-capitalist society and secedes from the United States. And, well, the government doesn't really care for that too terribly much. So that's a little bit about what the book's about. And um, I'm really excited for it. I just uh, the the past couple of months I've hit this hump trying to get through this ch- chapter 12 uh, because I want to make sure that it's written perfectly. Uh, but yeah, it it I'm really excited about it, and I can't wait to finish it and and send it out to you and, and you know, release it to you guys because uh, I think that books like that are going to be the way to help spread the message of anarchism uh, because I mean let's face it. My first book, while I'm very, 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 very proud of it, and still am dumbfounded that Walter Block wrote the foreword. It is not the sexiest of genres. Most people don't care about re- reading, um, you know, anarchist philosophy, uh, but they would like to read I mean, a glorious? novel. No, <laughs> it's never going to be a New York Times bestseller. Uh, but you know, I think that people engaging in a in a story to understand that philosophy will resonate a lot better and so i'm I'm really excited about it i can't wait to finish it up and i can't wait to release it for you guys awesome awesome but in the meantime you know we've done this before but i'm gonna do it again if you want to learn about anarcho-capitalism buy his book the liberty solution you can get it on amazon i really enjoyed it i read it you know over the summer or the spring probably when i was laid up during surgery i read it and uh you know, I really enjoyed it. And it, it really did solidify the fact that I am an anarchist. So, you know, thank you for that. Get the book. Derek, my dude, thank you for your time. You got anything to say before we, we boogie? The only thing that I would say, uh, if you're not already following me on the Twitter, you can follow, follow me at ANCAPAIR, A-N-C-A-P-A-I-R. Um, 
and uh, I'm just going to be focusing on putting out memes and uh, shit-talking the ATF and um, maybe writing small Twitter-friendly essays on various topics. Uh, I think those have resonated quite a bit with people, so I'm going to continue to do that as well. Just putting out little liberty for you know one tweet at a time that's what that's what i do but uh anyway i appreciate you having me on man this has been wonderful uh, i i love coming on your show i love talking with you i love interacting with you and uh, i really really appreciate it and likewise sir you know this is uh it's been a cool journey you know hanging out with you doing this and you know fucking around on, on the bird app well it's not the bird app no more it's malcolm x now but you know it's uh <laughs> It, you know, it's been great, but uh, until next time, y'all, peace, love, and liberty. Be good.